This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Well, welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm Dave Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me. Welcome back to a weekend recap and rant. This is going to be like almost a summer recap. As uh, those that follow the show are like, holy crap, are we getting a recap and rant? Yes, yes you are. I am finally recording one as life has slowed up just a smidgen. Uh, I figured I'd bang one of these bad boys out. So, all right, thanks for joining me. I don't know how back I want to go with this. Um, I think I have to go. So we just wrapped up the 2022 Minnesota Bass Nation Tournament of Champions, and uh, let's go ahead and build up to that. So, going back a month ago, we have our Loon State Bassmaster Club event on the same waters, which is the Lahamadu chain. So, we head up there, and uh, not ever, well, no, I can't say I've never been on the lake because our club did fish it uh, one time years ago. Um, don't think I did well then either, but so headed up there and just to do some fishing and fished around and scanned a bit and tried to get a feel of the lake. And there's a, there's a ton of chains, uh, there's a chain of lakes, ton of lakes in this chain. Um, the water is crazy, crazy clear and deep and, uh, sets up like one of those lakes where it's like shallow, shallow, shallow. And when it finally drops off, it just, the bottom just drops out and gets super deep. Um, and the weed line is like 17, 18 feet, really deep. 
So summertime, checking the deep weed lines, uh, finding these little fish everywhere. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter where in the water column you go. A lot of good reeds around the lake, um, on on multiple lakes. Uh, I think that would be good. Went and pitched a bunch of those. Caught the exact same size fish there. Um, mid-depth weed flats, same thing. These little like pound and a halfers, you know, just they're just everywhere. Cookie cutters, hard to find, hard to find that that next class fish. And uh, so came in, weighed in on Saturday. I don't know, finished middle of the pack somewhere. It was I don't even know if I cracked ten pounds. To be honest, don't remember it. Uh, pretty gross. Not not what I wanted. Um, so going after that, I have a like second to last place finish, a first place finish, and then this middle of the road finish. So not not getting great points uh, at all. But uh, Shark managed to find some decent fish that day, uh, and he said it was just same thing, cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. And then he found this one little corner that was holding some bigger fish, and he came in with a pretty nice bag. And I think he had like 15 and change. Um, Oh man, I could probably bring these up. I'll keep talking while I try to find this. Um, so then, not only that, but you know, my trolling motor had already been acting up as it was, and then um, like cutting in now, it had like a loose wire, and I found a, I found like a way I could get it to work where um, just had to pull on this one wire in there and it was making a bad connection and it's the it's like a flat wire that goes into um the dial the speed dial so it's like some kind of resistor right and if you pull on that you get full power like just no matter where it is on the dial doesn't matter you get all it's all or nothing but at least i was getting something and at the time Something weird gone. The other thing in wiring my boat, I wasn't getting full 24 volts to the trolling motor, anyways. So I always ran it at 100% power as it was, just so I would move even a little bit. So not working great, but working somewhat. So I got that finished that day off, and then running either to another spot. I was towards the end of the day. Might even have been running back to weigh in all the goddamn wake boats out there. And I know you've heard me rant about these enough, but God, do I hate it. And it's just the just so rough. And I had like one bang, bang, you know, coming back. And the stuff's just bouncing everywhere. My put, foot pedal went flying. And I, I think that that did it in. That was like, that was uh, end of the road there. So um, for the trolling motor. So now... I don't have a trolling motor for the next day. Um, so, yeah, not not great. Uh, I'm, like, defeated, pretty much. Um, mentally, physically, just, just... Just super frustrated. And it's supposed to be really windy for the next day, for Tuesday, or for Sunday... And I'm like, like, I just didn't even want to fish it. Like, I literally just want to be like, screw it. I didn't find nothing but these little fish. I don't have a trolling motor. How the heck am I going to do this? I'm going to, even if I do this, like, what's the point of even fishing TOC this year? Like, I'm just going to get my ass handed to me. I don't have all the fun toys. I don't have power poles. I don't have an Ultrex with spot lock. Uh, I don't have, you know, 360 active target. 
uh, live scope. You know, I, I'm running a five inch. That was that was the other thing. Like everything, the leading up to that weekend, like went out. The trolling motor was dying. My um, bow mounted electronics would only read the the sonar, but the GPS, the internal GPS system was shot on it. It's, I mean, it was an old little five inch hummingbird. So like, whatever, it's just more of a timing. The back one, while the GPS was still working, was not giving me good side scan. It was intermittent, it was coming in and out. And then finally it was just out and wasn't coming in. And upon further inspection, I could see that there was some damage to the transducer itself. So I'm going to have to buy the third transducer that I've purchased for that thing which those aren't cheap. They're, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I think it was like 250 bucks. So about that, uh, replaced the little five incher up front, got a Helix five. So got all these things kind of sort of working. And then the trolling motor shits out and yeah, you could understand my frustration, but I got to get points. You get points for just even showing up at these things. So, you know, you just never know. And, uh, here I finally got pulled up. So yeah, um, Shark won, and he had uh, 1508 was his total weight. So that was, and he had a uh, 3.8 pound big fish. And but Adam had a uh, big fish at 4.14. Nice four pounder. That was very nice. Um, so then Sunday rolls around, we take off, um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use this as. Uh, an excuse to explore, go through some of these channels, go check out these different uh, lakes, scan them, see what I can do. So if I'm going to fish TOC, I need to learn a thing or two. And kind of what was going on, how today turned out, was going to be like whether I do it or not, um, knowing that I don't have, I can't really compete with the electronics with these other guys, um, but we'll see what I can do. So I was looking at, the night before, I was looking at, you know, some satellite images and the very last lake in the chain on this one arm you can go down because there's multiple directions that these lakes chain off. And this lake looked pretty good. Um, tons of lily pads on it. And it's like, well, let's let's go see. So go, I'm going through these super, some of these, like, <laughs> channels are, like, tiny, tiny. And fact I could even get through them was something so I was like okay if I can at least find some fish back here I feel like it kind of narrows it kind of equals out the playing field because if you got giant power poles or even a bigger boat or a bigger motor if you sit higher or whatever the case or your boat is wider like you're not getting through some of these channels into these other lakes so not only is that going to eliminate some of the competition to have and the pressure on those lakes uh, but some people just might not even be willing, even if they could do it, they might not be willing to do it. They might think it's a waste of time, you know, multiple factors. So I'm like, okay, got some kind of sort of a strategy here if I can find some fish. So I go all the way. I get into this the last lake, and it looks great. I mean, there's pads everywhere. I start flipping. I'm frogging. I'm doing everything. I can't. I'm not getting any bites. I mean, it just, just looks great. The other thing interesting about this this lake is the water clarity and it flows like it flows into it, so it's kind of weird. But every other lake in the chain is like crystal clear. This one is like murky, um, not like really bad, but instead of 17 foot weed growth, it had like seven foot weed growth, and then it's just like a big long ditch. Um, lake name was Jesse, and so the the fish can pretty much only 
be one place. They're going to be in that, you know, those weeds on docks or in those lily pads. And so I'm working my way down, starting in the north, and it's windy, and boat control is definitely an issue. Um, but I did borrow, thankfully, the other Dale in our club, Dale Youngquist, had a little, like, uh, actual anchor. And I'm like, dude, I'll use that today because at least if I find a spot and I want to, like, pick it apart, <laughs> it's an anchor. Poor man's, you know, power pole or whatever. Um, so I, I utilized that a couple times, still nothing. And I'm like, God dang it, this sucks. I get all the way down to the very, very end, and it tapers off into this uh, the feeder creek, and it's just a huge lily pad field and the water level is pretty low but there's plenty of water in there so again i'm frogging it and i'm pitching it and not getting any blow-ups i'm catching pike because i can't seem to ever not catch pike um and i'm trolling around and then there's these two big clumps of like cabbage that's like laid over and there's a couple little pockets in there i'm like oh something different and it looks good so i grab my heavier pitch and stuff and they have like a three-quarter ounce tungsten you know texas rig and i throw it that first little hole i put in there fill tick set the hook and it just stops boom like reel that thing in and it's a nice fish i'm like okay that's all right all right put that in the box get back up on the front and at this point i'm like um and so i'm on the south end as a strong south wind so it was like it was it was moving me around but not too bad and i thought about using the the um anchor i don't think i was using the anchor yet i don't think it was i was just kind of like slowly drifting through kind of a cross drift anyway so i put that fish in the box picked the next little opening which is like i don't know 18 inches from that one tap whack set the hook another good one put him in the box next hole over whack i just went one two three i mean i went from not having a single bite to having three quality fish in the boat but then i couldn't get bit and I checked the other one and went around there, nothing. Went around the sides, uh, posted up like an anchor. To, you know, then I put the anchor out so I didn't have to keep worrying about drifting in or getting too close. And Nothing, nothing, nothing. Wasn't getting any. So we only had three fish. So I'm like, well, maybe I just need to let this spot rest and let some more fish filter in to apparently the only place the fish want to be in those two clumps of cabbage weed and i just like i'm racking my brain i'm like there's obviously more than three fish in this entire lake like they gotta be somewhere so i just i keep working around work the rest of the pads i start going up I'm like well pitch some docks i'd pitch some docks on north end to no luck to no luck and still not getting any luck there and then in between these two docks, there was a big overhanging tree. Like, it wasn't in the water. It was just like, you know, I don't know. It was just leaning over the lake a little bit. And whether that had something to do with it or not, I don't know. But I threw a jig in there, um, not really under any cover, just a shadow. Uh, if it was even casting a shadow, I can't even remember. Anyway, it seemed to be literally just kind of nowhere. But there must have been something there because picked up a fish, another, another good one, threw that in the box. And then uh, proceeded to get really uh, tough again. Uh, cycled back through. I let that rest for an hour. Went back down to that weed patch. Flipped around, flipped around. Um, it took a long time. Like, I don't know if I got bit that time. And then I let it rest again, went back. And then I finally caught my fifth fish down there in that weed patch. And then uh, just 
couldn't really get any more bites and then uh, continued to let it rest and hit those docks and hit this and that. I think I caught a couple more smaller ones, um, nothing that was going to help me. And uh, I was like, well, there's my day is burning. I got to get, you know, get back. I, I thought, well, I'll go up and at least get closer to um, the landing so I don't get caught if there's some sort of, you know, something doesn't work or who knows. This is the way my luck is going. I wasn't going to risk it. I want to get back in plenty of time. So I headed back, got in there, got into like the last lake was Lahamadu or the first lake, I guess you could say. And just started fishing some deep weed lines, and sure, I'm catching little fish, little fish, little fish, same, same stuff. And uh, didn't know what I had. I didn't weigh. I, I never weigh fish. I just, you know, use a cull beam, and I didn't really need to use a cull beam that day because I didn't cull. All my fish were nice fish. I didn't, I didn't know like how big they were because again, I didn't weigh any of them. But went in and headed to the scales and. Uh, shark said his fish weren't really there he still weighed an okay bag he had 13.68 i'm looking at it right now with the three pound big fish 3.3.12 and then uh, adam who had a good bag the day before too uh he didn't win but he had big fish yet so he had 13.32 um the day before and so he had he didn't do as good he had uh 10.2 and then I put my fish on the scales, and I thought I had that in that 13-pound range, and uh, ended up with 15.3. So that was good enough for the W. I got the big fish that day. It was 3.56, so I got the um, extra points for big fish on that. So that was a really good thing that I decided to actually fish that day and not quit with no working equipment so i guess you know one could definitely use that story as a uh, lesson in life when things are tough and you want to quit just grind it out and do the best you can sometimes lady looks smiles on you and and turns it around so now i'm now i'm really thinking right now i'm like okay all right <sighs> maybe i will fish this toc thing because the other thing that i thought about it was also going to be like who was going to be our boater, non-boater, all that stuff too. Because what I didn't want to run into is the one year it was up on the whitefish chain that I found out that even though you register as a boater, if you're not a guaranteed boater, then you fish with another non-guaranteed boater and you got to share time. And you've obviously you got to decide whose boat you're going to be in and all that. And then you get four hours in the front. Each person gets four hours in the front. And I'm just thinking, like, you can't. That's just not competitive. Like, if you're like, if you're not a guaranteed boater, then you should just fish as a co. Because new this year, or even before they changed it. So it used to be, you know, the co's their limit was five two, just like the boaters. Um, but you're dealing, you're that competition is kind of different, you know, because they don't have the front of the boat. You're, you know, you're, you got to go where somebody brings you. So bags and total weights are usually a little lower and that's why there's two separate like divisions boater and and co so or non-boater however, however you want to say it so i was thinking like that just isn't really make much sense and i guess the way it works out is like you know each club has a allocation they could send so many people to state and if there's an equal number of registered boaters versus non-boaters, then 
your boaters are guaranteed boaters. But if there's more, and I think that's what happened, I don't think that's exactly what happened on whitefish. We had more people registered as boater than we did uh, non-boaters. So that like makes a surplus and nobody in state gets to fish alone. So um, you get paired with a boater. That's just, that's kind of how that works. So um, anyways, learn that the hard way. And that, yeah, that TLC didn't turn out very good either. Um, but I'm like, okay, we looked at the clubs ratio. I think we're good. I won't end up in that scenario. Now I have this opportunity to actually be competitive, I think. Um, I'm going to be able to get down to this Lake Jesse where not a lot of boats can go because they have all the fun, fancy tools. And don't get me wrong, given the choice, I would rather not be able to get there. <laughs> and have spot lock. So let's just be straightforward there. I would love to have bigger graphs. I would love to have a bigger boat. All of it. I want, I'm not casting shade on the people that have all the toys because I would love to have all the toys. But that's not reality. I don't have all the toys. So I'm the silver lining playbook here. So I feel like I got a nice, I got, I, I got a, I got a chance. I got a chance to be competitive, you know. Obviously, if those fish stay there, but I can get to a lake that's gonna have very low pressure. Hardly anybody's even gonna attempt to go down there, even if their boats can go down there. And uh, yeah, that that was. I'm like, yep, I'm gonna do it. So that's it. Now we gotta wait because, and then um, I think pretty close after we fish our club event it's uh the waters are off limits which is fine because you know it was like weeks before toc so it doesn't really like there's no guarantee the fish that we found while our club was up there were going to be there and more than likely they're not you're gonna have to find a different pattern that's just that's just fishing and as summer progresses patterns change like that's just that's just fishing so not taking anything for granted. I don't even know, like, just because I found good fish in Jesse one day does not mean uh, they're going to be there. However, usually as, like, the summer progresses, the pads can get a little bit better. And, again, there's no, there's, on that lake, there's not many other places they can be. So I like that scenario. So we go through the summer. I take my family trip to Orr, which is always great. Up there in Pelican Lake, I'm looking to just, like, smash like we usually do. Uh, but we're behind schedule on a lot of stuff. Weed growth isn't quite there. There, This was like the end of July, and there's still some bluegill spawning. And the rock bass hadn't spawned out yet. So I caught a couple rock bass, cleaned them up, and they were just chock full of eggs yet. So definitely, easily a week and a half, if not a full two weeks behind schedule. And that just kind of had the bass scattered everywhere. They weren't, you know, you... We caught, I caught fish every day and caught some good ones, but just it wasn't one of those trips that it usually is when we go where it's just, you know, 50, 100 fish a day kind of thing because I really wanted to go up there and see if I could do uh, 300 pounds. Well, that, let me tell you, it was not going to happen. I thought it was going to, so I put the boat in like I usually do. I was like, all right, let's see how long it takes to catch my first fish, and I did a time check, and then, by the time I caught my first fish, I think it had been three minutes. But in that time, there was some, you know, I got the, I didn't have stuff ready. You know, I didn't have the scale ready and all the else. I had to get all that stuff ready. And so it was, 
I should have done that first because it would have been like a minute and a half before I first fished. And then I proceeded to catch, you know, a few more. And I found good ones in there. Usually in that little bay, I only catch like little pound and a half, two pounders. It's full of them, but there's just not that many of them. But I actually caught three fish that were over three pounds in that bay. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good week. And then it just slowed down after that. Like, it wasn't wasn't great. So it was a lot of fun. Still a lot of fun, though. Always tons of fun. It's just so beautiful up there. Um, love every minute. Uh, but the 300-pound thing, not going to happen. So then come back home. You know, fishing around. I think I, I went down to Whitewater one more time. Uh, caught a few trout down there. And then uh, getting ready for this. Still fast forward here to this TOC. So uh, practice, official practice starts the Saturday before. And so this is a Wednesday, Thursday, and if you qualify, Friday tournament. The top 25 will fish. The top 25 boaters, top 25 non-boaters will fish Friday. Um, so practice you know lakes become on limits again the saturday before that and then off limits by sundown monday well just how it worked out i wasn't going to be able to get up there till um monday so i get up there monday um put in an honest day like i really start you know running the kind of the stuff that i had before oh here's an interesting caveat that i left out so the week before you know, we get the email, it's time to register for the TOC, send all that stuff. I did that. I think that might even have been the week before that week. But then the week before the event, so days up to when practice opens, send they send an email about, okay, here's the itinerary. You got to do this, check in here, you know, all the, just the whole thing. Official practice starts. They give the times on the Lahamadu chain, except jesse and one other lake that i don't remember are you kidding me are you are you are you kidding me right now literally that my game plan <laughs> the only reason i'm fishing state is for lake jesse and now i can't fish it uh and i don't really know why the the only the only reason i had heard was um for whatever reason when they pulled the permit for this tournament Jesse and this other lake weren't included on it. I don't know if it was a typo. I don't know if the the lakeshore owners of those two lakes didn't sign off on it. I don't know what the deal is. But for some reason, wasn't included in our permit. So therefore, can't go. Okay. Well, back to square one. So with that being said, I went and I was looking at satellite maps. And I'm like, okay. There's a there's quite a few more little lakes I can get to, and some of these are just ringed with weeds and lily pads. Like looks like they kind of set up the same. Don't know if I can get to them, obviously, because just going off a of satellite image, you're looking down through trees. A lot of times you can't even see the bridge or the channel that goes in. You can see like in the lake area, like the way the current goes, and you're like, okay, th these are obviously connected, but no idea how big the bridges are, anything like that. So my plan was to fish this one little tiny one, and it was very uh, appealing because it got really deep. It was basically uh, shaped like a bowl, a little more like a peanut, I guess, but um, one of those peanut halves got really deep, like down to 50 feet. And then again, just ringed with, you know, steep drop off, ringed with lily pads, kind of Jesse-esque. I'm like, okay, this could, this could work. This could work. Should still have less pressure, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, well, I'm going to start 
on the lake I don't know that I can get to, and that was Darling going into uh, – crap, I'd have to pull up the uh, – um, pull up a map. It, does, it doesn't really matter. Lake names don't really matter. Anyways, so I put in that, – that's the only lake – down that chan down that channel from Darling that has a landing on it. So I just I I landed on that and the, my very first thing to do was just to see if I could get into Darling from that lake because if I couldn't if I can't get into it then zero reason to even spend a minute uh scouting it. And you know, I launched a boat and some weeds look good, stuff look good. I was like, "All right, well, if, if I can get in here, we'll see." So I go through and it's sketchy. The currents ripping through this bridge. Very narrow, very shallow. Um, the my my lower unit bounced off a couple things. <laughs> I had it trimmed up. In fact, I think I felt the bottom of the boat even scrape over. There's this weird like concrete footing thing that goes all the way across, kind of even before you get to the actual bridge itself. But I get over that, and it's just fast current, rocks, and there's this big, sharp like 90 degree turn in the creek, in the channel, if you will. And it actually kind of it's bored out there. It's a little deeper. Tons of bluegills in there. I'm sure there's fish in there, um, but pretty hard to, to fish it. So, oh, by this time, I'd also replaced my trolling motor with a, a used one that I'd found, which was nice. Um, nice, but um, it's it was I had, it's, it was a Minkota Maxim, which is what I had before. A little bit of an upgrade. Went to an 80-pound thrust instead of the 74. I think it had 72, 74, 74 whatever the hell it was, 70-something to an 80 which is great except for it was a 60 inch shaft so it's crazy long so it sticks way down in there um so when you go through real shallow areas you gotta kind of like pick up on the trolling motor so that's that's kind of a pain in the butt but whatever so i get through there and i just use the trolling motor to navigate my way down down this uh and it's a fairly long stretch of this creek and then also now i come to the next bridge that goes in darling i'm going with the current and that one's super tight fit, but I make it. Um, it's uh, plenty of room on the sides, but it's very low ceiling, but I make it. The good thing is when I sit up tall in my chair, um, I'm taller than my outboard even when it's trimmed up. So if my head doesn't hit, my trolling motor won't hit. So that's good. I can make it through, and it's just like the delta there where it comes into Darling is like super, super shallow. Inches of water, dude. I have to hug the shoreline this one spot just to get through. Almost got hung up, but didn't, thank God. And so officially made it through. And then there's a boat sitting there fishing that current as it dumps out. And lo and behold, who do I see? A shark himself <laughs> sitting there. And I see him catch like three, but they're the dinkers. You know, he's like, dude, they're down. I can see big ones because he has like a 360 or whatever. He's got the fun stuff. And he's like, I can't get him to bite. I'm like, yeah, well, I said, well... Now I gotta turn around and see if I can make it up. I made it this far. He's like, "All right." So I turn around, go back up there. Got to use the trolling motor to get through that super shallow area. And then once I get through there, now that I've done it with the trolling, I'm like, I think I can just use the big motor trimmed up to get through all the way. So once I get deep enough, stole the trolling motor away because I had to put it down to get under that bridge because it was so low. And then I just fire up the big motor, and yep, I'm able to just trim up, and I work that whole way. Now, when I get back to where it dumps out of that lake that I put the boat in, where that current is just, I mean, it's ripping. Um, even if I could use the trolling motor, because um, 
there's no way I could because I'd have to use it on 10. And, you know, when, it, when you don't have it locked in place, and I can't have it locked in place, I have to pick it up because it's so shallow. When you crank that thing at 10, it wants to walk right up out of the water. So that trolling motor is out. So I had, I was like, I'm going to have to just trim up as far as I can and give it just enough power. So anybody's ever, you know, when you drive a boat and you're trimmed up and you give it too much power, it actually, because your your prop is pointed up at the surface of the water. So it actually pushes the back end of your boat down. So you dig in deeper. So you got to find this like happy spot where it's like you got enough power to go forward, but you're not digging down and you're trimmed up enough where you still got some power. And it's, it was a thing, but I, I, I feathered it. I got it to where it was good. And I mean, I was making progress, but not much. Like you're looking at the bridge as I'm going through it and it looks like you're standing still, but you just, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I don't care how slow it's long as I'm still moving. And then once you get through that bridge and you're coming up to where that big concrete like footing thing was, um, you have just an, you have enough momentum that I can actually kill the motor, trim up the rest of the way, slide over that, and then as soon as you get back down, drop it down, start up, take off. Success. I was able to do it. I was like, yes. All right. Now we're now we're in business. Now it's now we gotta go see if I can get to the other lakes. Because there's a, a real tiny lake. And then, you know, long stretch of river, and then the lake I was trying to get to, which was, uh, I think it was called Stony Lake. And so as I'm, I motor across the lake, and I'm coming up to this, the next bridge, and I'm like, uh, yeah, not as much current, but I don't know that I'm going to fit through that. I mean, this is more of a culvert than it is like a bridge bridge. Well, let's just see what happens. So I get up there. And uh, could see a bunch of fish, again, in that, that downstream current. So I um, trim it up, and I go through there. Again, the current's not nearly as fast, which is nice. Um, and I fit. I mean, just a few inches on top, a few inches on the sides, but I fit. So I get through, get that first lake, and it's, like, super weedy. But then, again, it's, like, just a wall of weeds, and then it drops down to, like, 25, 30 feet or something. Um, didn't fish, so I just wanted to get up in the, my other spot. And so I get up there. Because right now I just want to look. I'm just like, I'm not even really fishing. I'm just like, I want to look. I want to see what I can get to, look around. And so I get up in the, the stony lake. And it looks great. Um, clean water, though. It wasn't murky. I was kind of hoping it would be murky again, like Jesse. But it was still really clean water, so deep weed line. And the one, like the bottom half it is much shallower. Um, what was weird, though, is like uh, you'd get down to like 10, 12 feet. There wasn't any weeds, and so weed growth there was like net seven, eight feet, but the weeds weren't great, like out deep. And then you just then it got real kind of nasty. And then the some of the lily pads look decent, but anyway, so I get through that. There's like a um, real shallow saddle area. You get through that, and then that's in that deep, the deeper section, which drops down to 50 feet. Tuck back in the corners, nice little uh, lily pad patch. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start there. And man, it looks great when like a bunch of choked out weeds and stuff when you get there, but right up to the edge of it, because the lily pads choke out the anything else that wants to grow there, it's it's open underneath. So I start flipping around and the whole time I can hear I'm hearing bluegills snapping and popping, you know, it's kind of what you want to hear when you're fishing pads and I'm like this should be good. And I'm I mean, I pitched all over that place. I couldn't get a single bite. I think I had one bite and it was a little one lost it but i could see him I'm like well he wasn't even that big so i'm like all right back out of there i try this big deep weed line 
and uh, I'm trying drop shots and everything else and jigs and I'm not not getting bit and these two loons come up to me um well three technically well yeah three eventually it was like a, an adult loon and a baby and then another baby joined them and they literally came up to the boat and started begging and you follow me on social media but I posted the pictures I got some great great pictures of them I mean it's not often you get that close to loons but obviously the people on this lake like that have cabins on this lake are feeding them because it I mean they don't just do that out of the blue this is definitely a habit um, which is kind of cool also kind of annoying because when you go to reel your bait in or cast your bait like they go for it and the last thing I want to do is hook a damn loon but anyway so when any bites there so I go back to the lower section of it and I fish the pads and I come around this section and it's like as I'm working my way around there's these clumps of weeds and like bare sand spots and I was throwing a chatterbait around and finally hooked up and it was a three pound fish I was like okay now we're talking pitch the rest of that stuff worked that whole area caught one more like two pounder and the south side of this lake the man the the pads just look amazing there's a good four if not five feet of water underneath these pads it's dark it's beautiful only thing I kept would catch in there is pike or I'd get cut off by pike all the time and I'm like what in the heck so I get through there and I'm like well I caught one good one but this isn't great it's not what i'd hoped i was hoping to you know i was gonna find another lake like jesse and that's just not that was not the case i'm like well i better have a backup plan so i uh went back to landing put the boat on the trailer and then drove to another landing oh i didn't so i didn't have to go through that channel nonsense again and then i dumped in on carlos which is a the, a really big lake like lahamadu and carlos are the two main lakes they're pretty good size and uh, so a I just went in there and started uh, fishing around, and uh, actually right by the landing, I caught like a three-pounder and another, you know, a couple two-and-a-halves, and I was like, better than what I was catching up there, and they're like right here. So I was really hemming and hawing, like, it doesn't, I mean, my head was still screaming, like, I feel like because there's less pressure up there, and I caught one three-pounder, there's got to be more, I just didn't figure it out. So my game plan for um, day one of the TOC was just going to be, to start on Carlos because I'd caught some decent fish and I lost a big one. Like he, he jumped out uh, a nice one, real nice on this one weed patch. And I barely had him on. It was just enough. He came up one head shake. I'm like, all right. So that was Monday. Tuesday is off limits again. Then you go to the meeting for the TOC meeting and all that stuff. And then, um, and then it's Wednesday starts. So, I marked, I dropped the pin on that one small patch of reeds. I'm like, hopefully this guy lives here. Um, this is my starting sport, my starting point. I'm going to come right here and go, you know, and just start there, see what I can do. And then and, and if I have a, if I have a bag of like smaller ones by, I was thinking like noon, because I needed like, it only, it took me about a half hour to get from Carlos all the way to Stony through all the channels and everything, which isn't bad. Um, but you know, that's an hour of fishing you don't get there and back. And also in case something, you know, want to give myself enough time. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I have an hour before weigh-in. I need to be back. And I, my draw for day one was uh, fifth flight, like 86th or something like that. <laughs> I wasn't taking off anytime soon. So we didn't weigh in till 4 o'clock. Um, the first flight weighs in at uh, 3. So we weighed in at, at 4. 
So I was like, okay, if I get to noon and I have five and I don't feel like I'm going to be able to upgrade, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to run up there and just hit it and till three o'clock and then boogie out of there. And so my co was John Morales, who, if you've been a longtime listener of the Full Scale Outdoors podcast, I've had him on before. And we've been meeting to fish together for years. It's just our schedules haven't aligned. And uh, so now we get to fish together during a tournament. It was awesome. Uh, had a ton of fun. And we were sharing some notes and that. And uh, um, he was he was all on board. He's like, I like it. Let's do it. So we went out. And uh, it wasn't fast and furious. I did catch a fish off that first, like, pretty quickly. I caught my first fish. But it was just like a two-pounder, one of them cookie-cutter ones, if it was even two pounds. And then hit the backside of it, and then um, John catches a good one. Um, I don't know if it was quite three. It was like two and three quarters. It was a decent fish, and I'm thinking, I don't think that's the one I lost, but he did get a good one. We got So two nice ones there. I was like, okay, this might be a good pattern. And then it kind of slowed down, and um, he did break off on a couple nice fish, and then I caught a couple more, missed a big one on this dock. Like we went, got through fishing this section of of pads, and there's a couple docks like, well – I wasn't really planning on fishing docks, but I was like, well, they're right here. Let's try it. And so we flipped around. Uh, John caught one. And there's this one dock that it comes out, and it kind of comes to a T. And I actually had, like, two sets of stairs on it. And the backside of it, like, real close to shore, and it was slightly deeper than some of the other docks were around. They were crazy shallow that I had checked in practice. So I'm like, yeah, there might be something here. So I got, like, parallel to shore, super shallow, where, like, the trolling motor is, like, on the bottom and I zing a past on there parallel with that dock and I land right by that first set of stairs that goes into the water get bit set the hook and this thing comes out and shakes nice fish and then he wraps around me on a post and then my line breaks like, oh so mad so mad I'm like uh, okay so that kind of dries up we go and we check out some more pads um, we catch a few he rips off like three really quick and like going in between pad section, like, okay. And he kind of on a swim jig and I was using a chatterbait and only get Northern. So I switched to, um, a swim jig. I, I was forced to swim switch because, uh, Pike took my chatterbait. And so I cast her only caught one out there doing that. But at this time I didn't have my five yet. So I'm, I'm already, it's not even that late in the day, but I'm already kind of freaking out. I'm like, this fishing is way tougher than I feel like it should be. And uh, so we keep fishing around. And at this point, I don't – so John's got his three. So this year they changed it. So uh, non-boaters only have to keep three fish. So he's got his limit. You know, he's trying to upgrade. I don't have mine. I think I have three fish too. I still need two. And uh, it gets to be that, you know, it's getting late. It's after 11. Nothing really has happened. I'm like, okay, we need to make a choice. We cycle back over to our f- place we first started, try to pick up some new ones there. That didn't really work. Uh, I'm like, yep. Let's do it. Let's make let's make the run. So we went. He was down to do some sketchy shit. So <laughs> we did it. We got in there. Uh, it was it was I had the extra weight of a person in there and live wells full of water. It, believe it or not, that's how shallow this is. It did make a difference, but I was still able to get up in there. So we go all the way up uh, into Stony, fishing around. I go straight to where I caught that three pounder. Nothing doing. Not getting anything in those pads. And uh, John's like, let's fish the deep weed line. I'm like, all right. And then we actually started catching some fish there, um, which I, I wasn't catching them on Monday, but I, we were getting them now. So I was able to get my five. They weren't big. 
And then so we look down. It's like, well, we got to get out of here. So we dump out of there. You know, and going through some of these channels, we could see, you could see bigger fish. I actually saw some nice smallmouth, and we threw at them multiple times. Um, you know, from uh, Carlos into Darling, Darling into whatever the hell that other lake name is. Like we saw them multiple times. We just could never get them to bite. But it's just cool knowing them there. But also frustrating. So I have what I had. Uh, we go to weigh in. Um, it wasn't good. I think I had, um, uh, what was it, 10.5 pounds or 10.7 or something like that. So I don't remember what place that put me in, but was not great. 50-something, I think. Um, and then uh, somebody had 19 pounds. Like, what the shit? I, this always happens. Like, somebody always figures it out without fail no matter how big the field is if it's 12 boats or 200 boats you know it's like <laughs> there's the one person that just like runs away with it and so he he figured them out which was you know good for him at least day one and then uh so day two rolls around and you know i'm hemming and hawing like all right what am i gonna do i don't really have a backup plan here for my strategy my, and i'm i guess i'm just gonna repeat it i'm just gonna run it run it again see what happens because the other thing that almost always happens on a two-day tournament is the fish are never in the same place twice. So if the fish I had found kind of practice weren't there on day one, maybe they'll be there on day two. That was my theory anyways. Um, go in there. I got a new new uh, non-boater, new co-angler Lois. She was great. Um, went out, uh, hit my first reed patch, caught a fish. It wasn't a big one, but it was a keeper. Goes in the box. Um, getting kind of slow, you know, not working. I get up to that. Um, I think I'd put a couple in the box. I don't really remember. I get to that spot where I lost that big bass, and I was like, well, this is where I lost that big bass yesterday. And I make lit, I swear to God, I made the exact same cast. And sure as shit, I get bit. I set the hook. He comes out. He jumps. It's the same fish, or he looks like the same fish. It's a big one. He comes up, shakes his head one time. Spits the bait, gone. Unbelievable. <sighs> just like, it's just so stinking mad. So I thought about going back down, um, back up to those other reeds where we had some success, but it wasn't really that great. Um, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, I still feel like that stony lake has big fish in it. We just didn't crack the nut. So we make the decision to make the run. So I go up there, and as we're coming in, we're, we're leaving um, Carlos going into Darling. And there's going by, you know, idling through, and there's a big smallmouth. Like, oh, there's a big smallmouth right there. And so Lois was like, well, we just try to catch it. I'm like, we did that yesterday. It's just that they don't ever bite. You know, once they see the boat, forget it. She's like, oh, just try it. Prime. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll I hadn't gone through the bridge yet. I'm like, yeah, screw it put the boat in reverse and I'm like if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go way around so I backed up way off to like my left um, souped way around there was a boat that was fishing like the outflow that we weren't close to them they were there you know in deeper water fishing the edge and there's another boat working the upstream side on the other side of the bridge and so I got way down way downstream I picked up a net I couldn't so I get back on the trolling motor I'm looking for this fish and I can't see it and I'm like but I don't want to get too close I'm like, okay, well, he, he was in this line. Make a long bomb cast with the Ned rig, and I'm dragging it back. Sure as shit, whack. Fucking set the hook on this thing, and it takes off and jumps. 
it's a nice fish. I'm like, oh, net, 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 net. <laughs> Get that thing in the net, dude. It was like a three-pound, three-plus. Didn't even weigh it. Um, three-plus smallmouth, dude. Just beautiful fish. Beautiful fish. I'm like, all right, that's uh, that changed my day around a little bit, you know. Um, I think at that point I had three fish, that guy and two little dinkers. And so we continued to fish that a little bit, weren't getting anything. So we continued on. Then there's another section where you got to slow down. There's a channel markers, but it just, it's like a cliff on the one side, just drops right off. Like, well, let's try that. So we fished that. Um, I get picked up a one more fish, another little one, but I still didn't have my five yet. So then we, we boogie down. I fished the, the outflow of that other lake going into Darling with to no avail. Did not get, get any bites. Um, got us through, as sketchy as it was. And then as we're going into that first little lake, before we go into that little tiny, we I started seeing some decent bass. Um, I think it was just large ones. I didn't see any smallies. I'm like, you know what, let's back off. Let's fish just a little bit. So we backed off, and uh, I was able to, I think I got my bag there. And then at this point, Lois didn't have any fish. But in a matter, you know, we just kept fishing it, and then she found the right spot with her right bait, and it was like one, two, three. She had her three fish just like that. So, and they actually weren't that bad. They were, you know, they were over two. She had decent fish, and I had these two tiny fish in my. I had my five, and I'm like, dude, I need to upgrade these things so bad. And so we go all the way up in the stony, fish all that stuff. Still doesn't um, pan out. I did that time lose uh what felt like a decent fish to me in the really good looking pads so finally produced in air quotes but i fucked it up so definitely did not fish clean i lost a uh, few fish that day but we fished that deep weed line we caught some fish i upgraded once and then uh headed back on day one so after we got back you know when i was with john um, we got close. We're like, oh, let's just go work those docks. They're probably garbage, but it's close to the where we have to go to, to weigh in. And weren't really catching anything. And I made this one. It was like the last dock butted up against these uh, reeds. I'm like, oh, I mean, fish is going to live anywhere. He's going to live right there. Slipped the jig in there and ended up catching my biggest fish of day one, which wasn't big, mind you, but it was my biggest. It was probably like, you know, two and a half or two and three quarters, something like that. And then, uh, so I'm like, I'll repeat that. So we went out and we fished that uh, delta a little bit and then boogied over there, fished those docks. Nothing, nothing, nothing on the docks. I got bit off by a northern with like 10 minutes to go. And I'm like, stupid, dumb. I almost just put the rods away. And I'm like, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's um, tie it on a a new jig. And I threw the swim jig around and came around on the outside. It was just kind of in just... Weed flat wasn't anything crazy. No, wasn't pitching to any um, structure or anything like that. No target, just blind cast. And I'm reeling that swim jig and whack. I was able to upgrade. It was a decent upgrade. Again, like kind of that two and a half. So I was able to get rid of one super dink, which was great. And uh, so then we headed in, um, weighed in. I had um, 11.5, I think. 11.5. That's what I had that day. So a little bit of improvement. Not enough to really do anything, you know, because I knew going into that day, looking at the leaderboard, that I needed 15 pounds if I was going to make the cutoff, the 25-person um, cutoff. And then so after, all said and done, after everybody weighed in, um, sure enough, that's exactly what I would have needed because you basically need an average of 13 pounds a day. 
And yeah, I didn't have it. So didn't make the uh didn't make the cut for the finals. Didn't really think I was going to though, to be honest. Once I found out the lake I wanted to fish, my whole game plan lake just went out the window. Um knew it was a long shot for sure, but hell of fun. Both my uh co anglers were great. Um and so Friday we signed or on Tuesday when we were at the meeting, we signed up for the 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 United Way there, they uh have this program where they donate backpacks and school supplies to the families in their community families in need so a bunch of people signed up and they're obviously like if you qualify obviously you won't be here to do that you'll be fishing but in, case, in the event you don't qualify we'll have your number we'll send out you know whatever so we ended up going to do that that took like an hour hit that in like record time and, and that was really cool they were very thankful um they're very impressed that you know we were efficient we went in there and, and crushed it and they said this usually takes them like an afternoon and we banged it out an hour. Um, so yeah, they're like, yeah, we'll definitely, you know, share this with the community um, and other communities. Like, yeah, if these people want to come to your community, you want them in your community. They help out, they spend money. Um, you know, we, we definitely want it as a, as a group to be a, a good experience for people in the community. You don't want people to, um, think negatively of it so you treat the waters with respect you treat the people with respect spend money in their community that's huge and then we help out which is great so that was my toc that's all she wrote the next day i was still up there um decided just go fun fishing and then there's a couple of the lakes that i wasn't sure you could get to so i kind of launched in there and the same thing it's like they were deep clear weedy around it but just you know it was nuts so i went through um i don't remember the names but that was like this would have very for sure for sure been the last one you could get to so i went through one channel and i'm barely fit i mean i barely fit i actually like top of my cowl on my um motor scraped just a little the littlest bit and then on the way back out of there, I was able to I had like basically pulled myself through because he couldn't use the trolley motor; it was too shallow, and yeah, it was nuts. Um, but and I didn't check this out, but the lake that I ended up fishing, I actually found some fish. It was kind of fun, um, some bigger loons in that one too. That was a lake that would have went into Stony, so I was kind of playing with fire in that. Had I have stumbled on some giants <laughs> in that lake. Which I did, and I caught fish, and I caught one nice one, but nothing, like, enough to make me feel bad. But had I stumbled on a bunch of giants, I would have been pissed. Because if I'm, like, if I would have been able to make it to this next lake, like, oh, if it was, like, that close and I didn't do it. But as, I guess, you could say luck would have it. Uh, as it worked out, uh, that was not the case, so I don't have to lament about that. But So that was fun. Uh, come back home uh, yesterday, did some... Uh, Went out and did some forging. I just, I, it was time, like late summer, early fall. It's a great time for mushroom hunting. We got some fresh rain. I knew stuff was going to be popping off. Um, was kind of hoping I'd find some lobster mushrooms, uh, some different kinds of bolites. And uh, that's pretty much what I was hoping for. Um, been seeing some reports of oysters, coarse lines, man, which I love, but I never find. Uh, I think I found two in my life, which it's they're my favorite and I love them, but. They're just they're not very common. So, anyways, I went out and I checked some spots I'd never been to before. Found some uh, nice flushy yellow bolete, so that was great. 
Um, that first section of woods wasn't doing anything, so I, I tore off, went to some place I'd never been before, started walking around, wasn't really seeing much at first, and then looked down, and bada-bing, bada-boom, there's some lobsters. I was like, yes, perfect, that's great. And so got a nice handful of lobster mushrooms, uh, kept walking, didn't find any more lobsters, but then uh, found some chanterelles. I thought they'd be all but done, and these were nice, beautiful, fresh ones. I'm like, oh, sweet. So I added some of those to the bag, found a couple hedgehog mushrooms. Um, oh, I'd found some coral mushrooms on the first pop, some crown tip corals. So those was because I had yellow uh, bolites and crown tip corals from the first pop. And then I found uh, the lobsters and uh, a couple more hedgehogs there. And I found some old, laid-over, burnt-out trump, black trumpet mushrooms. So I was a little disappointed, like, oh, I think I'm a week too late for those. But that would have been cool. Found a uh, nice chunk of chaga that I'll go back in the winter and grab. Two big chunks of it, actually, on the same tree. Uh, so, yeah, so it was a successful um, mushroom foray. I think I'm going to try my hand tonight at... Some mushroom ravioli. Head over to my daughter's house. Some wild mushroom ravioli. So that should be pretty good. I hope. I hope I don't screw it up. But we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, so that now we're up to date. So there you go. You're all you're all cut up. Uh, we have two more events for Loon State. That's the end of September. Um, so I think currently, I think I did the points. Um, currently in second place overall. I believe Adams in first. Um, so yeah, I kind of need to, and I have that one crappy one. Obviously, my it, that doesn't include any throwaways. So we have six events. We get the throwaway one. We we score five. My first one, where I came in second to last, is obviously going to be it. Better be my throwaway, um, even though the other one where I finished middle of the pack didn't really help me much either. So as long as I can finish strong, I'm going to be right there. I feel like if I can win one more, that should kind of lock it down. Um, but that's that's a long shot. I mean, it seems like I fish shitty and then fish good, you know? So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll have to uh, actually put in some time, some more time, and really take those two serious and try to walk away with an um, angle of the year title this year. But we'll see. Many a slip twixt the cup and a lip. So there's that. All right. The recap has been grabbed. For my rant, we're going to transition to duck hunting because that's also happening. Oh, the other thing it did is went to Game Fair uh, Nick J hit me up. Uh, we do the Waterfall Wednesdays together, and he's like, "Hey, how'd you like to MC the uh, calling competition? We need somebody." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, shit, I don't got nothing to do. Um, I'll do that." So I went and did that. It was kind of fun. So that was that. <laughs> Just side note, for, forgot about. So, anyways, we're transitioning into hunting. So that first Saturday in September is going to be uh, early goose and dove opener and teal and all that stuff. So um, we're real close bang on the door to being wide open with hunting so that's that's what i'm gonna rant about and i will tell you this duck and goose hunters waterfall hunters in general over the years are becoming the biggest batch of crybabies out there i mean they're giving walleye fishermen a run for their money when it comes to excuses as to why they're not successful in this latest uh, whining session. This guy goes on, oh, Minnesota Waterfallers, whatever the fuck page it was. He's bitching about Ducks Unlimited. I don't know why anybody gives these guys money. All they do is buy up this land and turn it into refuge so we can't hunt it. 
and it locks up these birds and it doesn't mean any extra birds for us or whatever. Like that was his, that was his big bitch. And I'm just like, are you serious? Are you're seriously blaming a duck conservation group uh, made up of duck hunters for your lack of success? And then he kind of twisted it to, he was like, oh, so they can shoot more ducks and keep them to themselves, as if they're the only ones that have uh, permission to these places. It's like, no, dude, bro, they're public. And you, you can't tell me that you think we have less ducks today because we have more habitat, thanks to Ducks Unlimited, in part by Ducks Unlimited. Like, I'm going to need you to really lay this one out for me. I don't quite understand what you're saying. And then you go into the comic section, and then there's just a slew of people agreeing. I'm like, what, what universe is this? What are you talking about? Like, I can understand. Like, maybe you don't agree with how they spend their money, or um, maybe they could do it better. Uh, that's possible, right? I mean, there's there's opinions. We all have... You know, but they make their decisions and they they do the best they can. And they're like, oh, go Delta Waterfall. They actually, you know, trap predators and that's what helps nesting success. And what, there's a shred of truth there too, but it doesn't have to be. And this just goes right back to like where we are politically and socially where it's like, it's all or nothing. It's A or B. Like if it's A, then it can't be B and or vice versa, and it's like, oh my god, and if you're A, then you're against B, and if B, you're against A, and it's just, it's an entire shit show. So it's like, it doesn't have to be DU or Delta. I'm glad there's both, because <laughs> they're doing, they're handling two different parts of it. Like, perfect, that's great. And then, you know, then they always like to call out, um, you know, Vandemore at Habitat Flats because he's making all this habitat for him and he's flooding agriculture fields. And so everybody south of him is like, oh, he's, they stop all the Missouri. They stop all the ducks here in Arkansas. We don't get any ducks anymore. Come down here and you'll see for yourself and blah, 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 blah. There's a couple problems with that. The guys that say, like, come down and see for yourself. We just don't get the ducks like we used to. Or uh, the northern guys are keeping all the ducks for themselves. One, I've been in Arkansas. I've uh, guided for snow geese down there, and there's a shit ton of ducks. I mean, maybe it's less than what they're used to, because I, I don't know what they're used to, but when I was there, there was a shit ton of ducks. There was fields full. And here's the thing. A lot of these guys do the, down arcs, I like do the, the timber mallard hunts. Well, I didn't do any of that. I didn't look at it, but I can tell you there was a shit ton in the fields. So if you just would have switched up your tactics and maybe, I don't know, drove around and scouted a little bit, you probably would have found one of these fields that had literally thousands of mallards and pintails in there and specks everywhere and snow geese everywhere. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and who knows, maybe the climate change is, is, maybe they don't have to go as far south. But I don't know how much of that I believe in one way or the other. I mean, there's still um, blue-winged teal that fly all the way to the freaking Central America and Jamaica and Guyana and, and Northern South America, like some birds are still going way past. So I don't, I don't know what's driving it. If I had to wager a guess, I would say it has way more to do with agricultural practices than it does uh, DU making habitat or Tony Vandemore making habitat than anything. Like 
farming practice is the thing that has affected waterfall populations over the years far more than anything else. Why we have so many snow geese is directly related to leaving waste grains in the field for when they can come through. They've, they've never had their whole migration all the way down, all the way up is just nothing but food, food, food everywhere. So they're as healthy as they've ever been. And that has blown their population up. But however, back to point. So there you got that point. I don't, I don't really believe in the other problem with that um, saying is like they are keeping all the ducks for themselves, blah, blah, blah. Well, what, what would be the solution? What would you have them do? What, what you're basically asking, and this is the problem, when you just bitch and you don't really think about it, you're not offering solutions. Because if you ever actually tried to offer solutions, you'd run into these dead ends where they just don't make sense. Because what you're basically asking is the hunters in the northern states to go, okay, we need to not improve our lands because we need some of these ducks to fly south so that the Arkansas boys can shoot them. Does that sound in any way, shape, or form remotely realistic? You're asking hunters in the north to not shoot birds, to actively make it so that birds don't stay so that you can shoot some birds. Uh, makes zero sense. And I just fundamentally think it's it's just not true. Um, birds move. Migration patterns change over time. Who knows? I mean, if you go think about it like Arkansas, um, Way back when, the snow geese used to go down to southeast Texas. That's where all the that's where all the snows were. Texas rags. That I mean, that the very first decoys we started using when I got into the spring snow goose thing were Texas rags because they were originated in Texas. That's where the birds were. But again, going back to my point that agriculture is probably the biggest driving factor. They don't do, for whatever reason, I don't know if their water dried up. I don't know if they switched crops. I don't know what happened, but they, they're not doing the rice anymore in southeast Texas. That all switched over to Arkansas. Well, didn't take long for the snow geese to realize that the food's over there. And so now there's hardly any snow geese in Texas. I'm sure there's still a few, but it ain't like it used to be. Um, that wasn't DU. Ducks Unlimited didn't do that. So And Tony Vandemore didn't do that. Those birds still made it past the uh, habitat flats, no matter how good it looked. They still flew through Missouri. Um, it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't hold up to logic. You're pissed off because hunting's not like it used to be or is not easy, or you're just lazy. I mean, my comment that I put on there, I just, like, made a list. Like, you just everybody bitches about everything. Um DU's it's DU's fault. It's the DNR's fault to do nothing right. Oh, they mismanage this. They don't get their seasons right. Blah 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 blah. Uh, that's an excuse. Um, I mean, just go on down the line. It's just everything. Oh, here in Minnesota, when they first when they expanded early goose season to be able to hunt them over water. Oh, that's gonna chase all the birds out of the state. Hey guys, guess what didn't happen? Huh? They're still weird. Weird that there's still geese to be shot in this state even though people can hunt water. Huh, crazy. Oh, we want a teal season. That's going to push all the geese out. It's going to push all the ducks out early. Hey, hey look, guess what didn't happen? Uh, it it's, boggles my mind. Like, it's always have excuses and never any solutions, and it just doesn't even hold up to scrutiny. Like, I would like to go and challenge you to be like, literally, if you can get out of your own way for a moment, like, the last 20 years... I could be wrong on that, but probably pretty damn close to 20 years. 
under the federal the federal framework, we've had the most liberal season we can get. We're getting this full sixty days, six ducks, and you know within that, you know some species, you know canvasback maybe one or two or something like that, bluebills one or two or something like that. Um, but for the most part, you're getting the full sixty days, six ducks, um, and that's just how it goes. I mean, it, like I would say. Outside of going out and seeing the skies black with fowl, as people talk about at one point in time, it may not be that, but I'd say we're damn close to being in the good old days right now when it comes to duck numbers um, and things that are out of our control, weather, whether they have good nesting success, good weather you know, for nesting, and then farming practices those are the two things that drive it it's not hunter harvest it's not ducks unlimited delta waterfall tony vanmore missouri hunters or whatever excuse you're you think you're gonna get it's not that things change this world is not static and if you don't change with it you're gonna be the dodo and you're gonna go extinct you can piss and moan all you want about how it used to be better pick random date on the calendar insert here but does that put more ducks in your bag? No. So just go figure it out. All right. Like make a move. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. You can sit in the same slew and not look at decks, or you can put some miles on and go, Oh, I can't get permission because the outfitters have all the land locked up. Also not true. Listen, I had a terrible season last year for getting permissions. I got turned down more than I ever have. Hopefully it's better this year, but but we'll see. I'm not bitching about it. It just is what it is. And you want to know who fucks it up? It's hunters. It isn't outfitters. It's other people that leave ruts in the field, that don't pick up their shit. Uh, I just heard some stories uh, at Game Fair where people hunt when they don't have permission, so it's trespass. It's like chances are that hunter would have let you hunt it, but because you didn't ask, now not only did you not get to hunt it, but he's not going to let anybody else hunt it. That's what fucks it up. And I would also, and this is speculation, I'll be the first person to agree, but I would be willing to put money down. I would make a wager that the same people, at least a percentage of that bitch about not having a successful duck or goose season for all the reasons that we just listed are probably some of the same people that don't pick up their shit, that leave ruts in the field, and that screwed up for the rest of us. Because piss them on all I want. You better, I mean, and even if you're right, does that change anything? You're still going to have to, even if, those, even if those reasons were accurate, which are not, but even if they were, what are you going to do with that information? Change the way you hunt. Go where the birds are. Or, I don't know, maybe be politically active or active in your community. Go make the change. You don't think Ducks Unlimited or... or Delta Waterfall is doing it the right way. Well, fucking start your own then. You have all the answers. Go fucking do it. Figure it out. You're the genius. Put in the legwork. And then you can have it the way you want it. But no, I know you won't. You're just going to sit there and bitch and moan. Because it's super easy to bitch and not do anything. It's way easier to be a victim than it is just go up there and, and change change it for yourself. What's the old meme? Life is not, life is not a television show. You, you got to get up and change it yourself or it's not a remote or however the fuck I fucked it up but you know what I'm trying to say so that's that alright everybody thanks again sorry it's been so long I will try to stay up to date and get these things rock and rolling uh, yet again 
on a regular basis. Uh, thanks for sticking out. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you would, if you guys are on TikTok, uh, find me on TikTok. Uh, I'm trying to um, get up there to have enough followers so I can start doing some live stuff. I would appreciate it. So head over to TikTok if you do that. Find me and give me a follow. I would appreciate it. All right, everybody. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale.